0: You have been listening to Stronger welcome Than Steel Podcast. Welcome to the Stronger Thank Than Steel Podcast today and with your hosts Austin, Austin Davidson and John Kier. Talking Steelers all the time. Now, here's Austin and John. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Stronger Than Steel Podcast, season 6, episode 23. Your co-hosts as always are myself John Kier and my buddy Austin Davidson. Hello Alrighty, Austin. Welcome back to the show. We got a lot to talk about today. First and foremost, the Pittsburgh Steelers dropped their Week Two game against the Las Vegas Raiders by a score of twenty-six to seventeen. And even though the Steelers are at one and one, the Steelers uh, Steelers faithful has kind of a, I suppose, a negative feeling going into Week Three, given the way that the first two weeks broke down. The surprising win at Buffalo, riding the emotional high of an unexpected win matched by an equally disappointing loss at home in a game that the Steelers probably should have won but uh you know credit the Raiders with some big plays and injuries playing a big part now uh, at one and one even though the slate has been cleared after two weeks it f- feels like the Steelers uh at least a good portion of the fan base are down in the dumps after this week
1: Yeah, it was a tough loss to swallow for sure. I mean, you just beat Buffalo and to not be able to beat the Raiders, which I guess the Raiders could be an actual good team this year. I I still doubt it because, I mean, they beat some pretty heavy hitters from last year in the Ravens and uh, Steelers in Weeks 1 and 2, which is good. It's really good for them, but I just think it's more a reflection of, like, the injuries that happened and the Steelers' offensive line and the Ravens' offensive line not being good. So they really benefited from that. I think it helped their pass rush Uh, i don't think the raiders are actually that good i think uh there is a chance for it is what i was trying to say but yeah it just kind of sucks when you lose when you win a big game and then you lose a smaller
0: game a game that's more uh more kind of expected or taken for granted to be a closer uh convincing victory so all right well why don't we dive into this one i guess and uh, talk about we we can kind of start i guess wherever but as far as where we kind of were on with this game going into it and you mentioned the the raiders defense i I think that we weren't expecting the raiders defense to play as well as it did and like you said a lot of that could be kind of attributed or at least contributed to by the way the steelers offensive line played Uh, just 17 points for the steelers offense in this game up and down from The coaching staff starting with Matt Canada all the way and Ben Roethlisberger all the way through you know the offensive line and wide receivers everyone on the offense I can't think of many players that really stuck out or coaching staff members that shined a good light on themselves with the way Sunday's game turned out
1: no it was a tough game for everyone I felt like the entire offense as a whole just really stunk I thought the defense did good for a while but they eventually broke down. I mean, when you lose T.J. Watt halfway through, and then you suffer just more and more injuries, I, I, you're not. I can't expect them to hold up. Like I wish they could, but when you lose T.J. Watt, you lose your starting defensive tackle. Then you lose his backup for some time. It's like, what can the defense do? The defense can only do so much. They gave up twenty points on on a not short field. That's for the injuries they had, because you're down your cornerback one, your middle linebacker one slash two, he's a starter. I don't know how you want to view that. Then you lose your defensive tackle one, you lose your outside linebacker one, and you you lose, I don't know, you lose Isaiah Bugs or some of it. So you're, that was your backup defensive tackle. So what can you do? <laughs> injuries suck. Can
0: I, can I play devil's advocate real quick? Sure. Now, I... Let me first say that i I do agree with you. I think I was a little more frustrated coming out of the game with the defense, but I think on the on the whole, at least for the first you know three quarters, I thought they did a pretty darn good job. I will just throw out there the Raiders were missing their two starting guards and later lost Alex Leatherwood for the game too. So just kind of a devil's advocate uh, take on that. but i I do agree with you, yeah. Uh, They probably should have still played better against the offensive
1: line that they had because their offensive line should be just as bad as the Steelers with all the injuries they have, and they weren't. Carr had more time than Ben Roethlisberger did, and, I mean, that's against a pass rush that is supposed to be good against every team. So overall still not a great showing, especially from what we saw from Melvin Ingram and uh, Cameron Hayward last week. Cameron Hayward was still good. I I shouldn't really throw his name out there just not good enough against a worse
0: offensive line so where do you want to start with this breakdown do you want to stick with the defense or do you kind of want to focus in on the struggles of the offense I uh, think, through
1: this game i think we should start with the defense because i think it's shorter i feel like the, yeah the,
0: i mean we kind of summed up the biggest issue right there
1: yeah there wasn't okay. really much
0: all right well let's let's kind of go into this talking about what their their main goal was, and that is what? To take away Darren Waller, right? Yeah.
1: 100%. Yeah, so
0: look at the final stat line. Darren Waller had five for 65 and no touchdowns. I mean, if I offered that to you, you know, before the game and said, that's going to be a stat line, you'd take that in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, no, that was solid. I thought they, especially in the first half, Darren Waller was a non-factor. He didn't get his first target till so, so late. And he didn't even catch his first target
0: just uh just seven targets for Waller after what 19 in week 1. Yeah, an absolute ridiculous amount in week 1. Now, he did have one big play on the uh, second to last drive for the Raiders that essentially sealed the game. But uh I'd say besides that one 25-yard reception, he was largely held and checked and the Steelers for what it's worth, they were able to take it away and you kind of went into that saying, "Okay, we will take him away and we'll let Kenyon drake henry rugs hunter renfro you know brian edwards we'll, we'll deal with them we'll let them try to beat us and well they did you know obviously the big home run to henry rugs we can touch a bit on that later but hunter renfro had a big play in this game brian edwards had a couple solid catches in this one foster moreau of all people uh caught the big touchdown of to the tight ends and willie sneed made a brief appearance really uh Derek Carr uh, started this game kind of slow with the pressure, but once T.J. Watt went out, uh, like you said, it was kind of like a different ball game for him. He was pretty efficient, and he was doing a good job kind of slicing and dicing through a depleted Steelers defense before hitting them with a crucial home run ball late in the game.
1: Yeah, credit to Derek Carr for his play. I think he actually just generally played really well. Uh, as well I think that he spread the ball really well made sure to get it to all his receivers I mean you look at his top three receivers was Ruggs, Waller, Renfro all with five catches all with seven targets Uh, and then you had Kenyon Drake getting the ball a good amount for another five catches himself he got six targets one last so he did a very very good job uh, spreading the ball and I give him credit because I think Derek Carr actually looked really really good
0: Uh, I really don't think oh sorry go ahead uh no, actually you could go ahead. I think I was just about wrapped up. All I was gonna say is, I don't think, I don't think it's uh, unreasonable to say that was one of Derek Carr's best games, at least in recent memory.
1: Yeah, I think even going against a depleted defense, I mean he played again with that offensive line that you pointed out. He played without Josh Jacobs, which also could be meh, I don't know him and Kenyon Drake the step step down is something else it's not your starting running back is the point
0: uh, there was no running game in this one is yeah. the bigger point
1: yeah but Drake was able to contribute in, in the passing game which Jacobs can't so but yeah now the Steelers held the run game in check with Peyton Barber and then Kenyon Drake just absolutely sucked like it wasn't even anytime Drake carried the ball it was just really really bad but yeah i think that Overall, uh, I asked the Raiders, the Sealers, to make Renfro and Ruggs beat them, and Renfro and Ruggs did indeed beat them, and Foster Moreau with his touchdown as well.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you kind of touched on the whole situation of, you know, holding this team to field goals, and, and the Raiders, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't there... What was the score at halftime? It was was it 9-7? 12 to 7? It was 9 to 7. Yeah, it was 9 mm-hmm. to 7. That's right. So, there would only been field goals to that point. And the Raiders hadn't exactly gotten a ton of yards on most of them. I think Yeah, their and they first got two drive, short
1: fields in, in Yeah, the I, I know they tries. had
0: the the one they turned the interception from Ben into three. So, that's that's three. I think they might have gotten one first down on that drive, but for the for the most part, they they were not moving the ball until the second half. When I think the attrition from all the injuries, and not just the injuries, but in terms of time of possession, the Steelers, Austin, are being destroyed in the time of possession battle through two games this season. And I think you saw it take effect on a team that was already missing players and was you know missing more throughout the course of the game.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to not control time of, of possession when you don't have a run game. Like, the Steelers' run game is, just like last year, non-existent. I mean, they carried the ball, what? Less than fifteen times, yeah. Uh, It's fourteen times overall, and uh, you just—that's not sustainable. You rush the ball fourteen times, you're not going to really control the ball at all because that's what takes most of the time off the clock. So it's tough. And then the Steelers just aren't efficient in the short passing game enough to to just uh, in the passing game as a whole. I guess I should say they actually are pretty efficient in short passing, but
0: that's like all they're all they're doing. That's the only thing they can do, which is. Yeah, you know, for everyone that's talking about this offense looks pretty similar, and we'll dive into the offense a bit in a bit. But yeah, the Steelers' offense being limited is a huge contributing factor. But even though the Raiders ended up, what did I think they had twenty five carries in total? Their their ground game really didn't take effect until later in the game. But I think where you saw the attrition mostly was the pass rush.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was easily the biggest thing. I, uh, the offensive line was getting destroyed by their defensive pieces. Just they were all doing so, so well. And I mean, they finished with two sacks, and Ben was throwing really fast. It was just absolutely crazy. I mean, they had four tackles for a loss as well, which is very impressive when the Steelers only rushed for uh, fourteen times. It's like a one in seven chance they're getting a tackle for a loss and that's nutty <laughs> that's really good for them they played just really really well
0: i'm back on the defensive side even with all the issues that we had talked about like you said cam hayward played really well in the 16 snaps tj watt played he played really well Tyson Aluwalu ended up going down with a major injury. And I guess why don't we transition real quick into the whole injury front because we mentioned Watt and we mentioned uh, Tyson Aluwalu. So I think, what, like 10 plays into the game, something like that. Down goes Tyson Aluwalu with kind of a freak situation where I think TJ Watt kind of gets like pushed into his ankle or something like that. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's what happened.
1: I don't remember exactly what hurt him. I know it was friendly fire, though, by even by accidents. One of the one of the Steelers fell on his ankle or caused
0: him to twist his ankle and fracture it. Hmm. I felt as though it was. I, I thought it was Watt, but regardless, he ended up fracturing his ankle. He left in an air cast and was immediately. Uh, he was immediately d- declared out of the game. And there was a picture taken like a couple hours after the game had concluded that he was uh, in the hospital and they had performed surgery. So uh, there is a chance that he could return this season, but at his age and with the unknowns of the rehab process, it's possible Alualu doesn't play at all the rest of the season. So he's been placed on injured reserve. And considering his age and the fact that he, there was a chance he almost didn't return last season after his contract was up, do you think it's a potentially it's potentially possible to at least think that alu might have played his last down uh in the nfl or at least with pittsburgh
1: yeah it's it's possible uh we'll have to see what the defensive tackle depth looks like and how isaiah bugs plays from here on out and carlos davis so we'll see
0: actually i think he has a two-year contract he does so have a two-year yeah, contract yeah, he does. so but he, people are he still would, he would come back but that that's assuming he wants to come back yeah all right and then uh we can talk a little bit about his replacements in isaiah bugs and carlos davis both of whom had injuries of their own to deal with have you seen anything else about bugs because i I heard it was an ankle on the on the actual day but it sounds like uh there's nothing too crazy going on it seems based on what mike tomlin was saying that he's going to be expected to be the guy at least to start no,
1: I think he's okay because didn't mention him in the press here when he mentioned all the other injuries. Maybe he just forgot. I don't know. But uh, he was seen off to the sideline like late in the game uh, injured. So I guess we'll see. We'll see tomorrow uh, when the first injury report comes out. And even then, we won't really know what's super serious and what's not because a lot of guys get rest, rest days on Wednesday. And then also, if there is like an injury, a lot of those guys get Rest days as well on the first day of practice. And then we see what happens on Thursday. So we will see. Oh, something I want to talk about with the injuries that I forgot. I thought Robert Splaine played really well it, uh, to play devil's advocate again because the defense did fine. Uh, Robert Splaine played really well in this game. So this game was totally winnable still. The defense still should have been doing well. I thought he did great in Devin Bush's place, which I was really concerned about because he had a really, really bad... <laughs> training camp and and preseason
0: yeah for what they asked him to do he did it quite well and he even uh, came through with a couple tackles on special teams so it was a very good game for him first game of the season for him also first game of the season for uh, isaiah loudermilk his first career game and also the first game of the of his steelers career for akella witherspoon and it wasn't quite as good of a day for him and we will get to that uh actually uh let's get to that after we kind of run through the rest of the injury so we we mentioned we mentioned alu, alu. let's mention real quickly uh deontay john or actually wait let me quick firstly first and foremost get to carlos davis because he also uh has an injury that he's dealing with that uh, could make the nose tackle position extra thin and based on my, what mike tomlin said about bugs seemingly being the guy to go in first it sounds like davis may not come back this week based on what I said. But again, we'll see how the practice report reflects that after tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so it might be
0: Henry Mondo behind Isaiah Bugs for now. And Mondo uh, was the guy signed to the active roster to replace Alu-Alu's spot. And in his place is former 2017 first-round pick Taco Charlton, who infamously selected two spots before TJ Watt, Austin. And as you... You and I both know his career hasn't panned out the way he had hoped with just 11 career sacks, and meanwhile, TJ Watt has had fewer than 11 sacks only in his rookie season. So kind of a wild perspective on the differences between their two careers.
1: Yeah, it's wild. I mean, how things could have changed if Watt was just picked two picks earlier? I wonder what the Steelers would have done, but obviously the Cowboys regret that that choice. immensely now now that Charlton's been on what his third this, team is, now? His team. this is his fourth team. Fourth is his fourth team. Who was between he was... Cowboys and Chiefs. or And after. the Dolphins. He was with the, the Dolphins, Dolphins in twenty nineteen, I wanna say. Okay, I forgot the Dolphins.
0: <laughs> yep. Yes indeed. So uh he is on the practice squad to replace Henry Mondo uh Henry Mondo's spot. So Yeah interesting and then Dol-
1: he's listed as a D- defensive lineman.
0: Yeah, so I thought he broke down more as like a 4-3 end, but I don't know his breakdown. Let me look that up real quick. He kind of needs to shift his weight.
1: <laughs> he's in a really weird weight to be either. He needs to gain weight if he's a defensive lineman, if he's like a, like a Cameron Hayward. He needs to probably lose a little weight if he wants to be an outside linebacker.
0: DE. Like he's six six two or... seventy. 270. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, that screams four, three N. So he's, he's, I don't know. Uh, he, he, hasn't really worked out as a pass rusher. So maybe they are thinking if he bulks up a bit, he can turn into a, a decent five tech or something. I don't know. It was also, he was not their first pick for the practice squad either. So it could just be another, another body. Yeah. Not to be mean.
1: Came out of nowhere too. I mean, I, I saw, it was so weird to me because Charlton visited the Packers literally yesterday. There was no word that he was going to go see the Steelers. It's just like, yeah, Charlton's visiting Packers uh today and then just out of nowhere today, Steelers are signing Taco Charlton. It's like, all right. <laughs> like it just happened so quick.
0: I I just found a video of his YouTube highlights in the NFL and the first video is him chasing down Eli Manning when he was unblocked. That's uh I'm glad he could do that cuz if he couldn't, that would be not good. Not good no. at all. But let's let's get back to the more important things. No offense to Taco. But the last injury that is not involved in this whole groin club, this groin squad that we're going to get to, is Deontay Johnson. And I wanted to have a conversation with you. We can talk, I guess, maybe about the whole decision for him to be out there later. But he suffers an injury on the last play of the game. And because it's the very end of the game, there's not much talked about what happened how much how bad it is it sounds like it's not overly serious thankfully but his his availability for next week is certainly in question oh
1: yeah easily i mean we don't really know the full details on how he's going to be it didn't look very good it's officially a knee injury but we'll have to see what he could do in practice this week if he could do anything at all hopefully he can but i'm i'm doubting it he might be out for a week and maybe two
0: All right, and then I guess let's get to the whole groin club. So we mentioned T.J. Watt. He was out of the game after 16 snaps and did not return. The injury, while not serious, is something that's going to have to be monitored and he might not play next week. What else? Alex Highsmith is dealing with a groin injury, uh, as stated by Mike Tomlin today. And there's also the the aforementioned Joe Hayden and Devin Bush, who missed last week's game due to groin injuries as well. So... Uh, we're running out of groins to donate, Austin. They're, uh, it's getting much, much worse than we thought it could be.
1: Yeah, they're hot off the presses. They're apparently really, really needed right now. So one more groin injury and there's no more groins we could donate. <laughs> so uh, it's tough. I, I hope that the the latter of the two are able to play this week after getting a week off. I am hopeful that one of these two can play after... Uh, one of the three that were added Friday with the groin injuries were able to play with Ebron playing but uh, I'm not as hopeful they might need more time if this was a Monday game I'd feel a little bit more I think I feel like there's a good chance that one if not both play but it being a Sunday game I think it's just going to be there's it's like 50-50 on if one of them is going to play
0: yeah and the thing is not all groin injuries are created equal so i mean one player could have a nice week of practice and rehab and could be good to go on sunday but the danger is and if you push too hard you could end up in a situation where it ends up being a five-week injury because you pushed it too hard too quickly so really have to tread lightly with some of these and you hope that uh, a lot of those guys will be back for this week against the Bengals. And the final injury to talk about, Mike Tomlin mentioned today, is that Ben Roethlisberger is dealing with a left pec injury. This was not something that came up during the game, probably one of those things that uh, occurred afterwards or uh, was noticed more afterwards. So Mike Tomlin said it will affect his ability to prepare for Sunday's game, which is obviously concerning, but we don't know yet if it's something that's going to keep him from playing on Sunday. Yeah,
1: we'll have to see with the practice on Thursday because... He normally gets a vet day off anyway on Wednesday, so we will see how he's feeling on Thursday with that
0: injury. It's a banged up unit, banged up team. Yeah, we
1: were so healthy just just like before Friday. Before Friday it was just Carlos Davis and I don't even know. Carlos Davis and there was one other person on the injury report and I can't even remember who. And then it was just like, well, here's Eric Ebron, Joe Hayden, and Devin Bush on Friday. Here you go. Have a good time. And then this game was like, here, have, like, four more.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the Steelers finished legitimately with, like, three or four healthy defensive linemen. Like, there was not much left in the cupboard.
1: No. Unideal.
0: <laughs> uh, do you want to circle back to the defense here and talk about – uh. That long touchdown pass to Rugs because I feel like that's that was you know the pretty clear turning point in that game, and really where the really where the mold was broken for this defense uh, on the day.
1: Yeah, that's tough. I'm not sure. I don't think having a Joe Hayden changes that. I don't know if you're in that same position in the game. I don't. They obviously might not call that play, but if Joe Hayden was the cornerback there, that's still happening. If Minka Fitzpatrick still does what he does. I am more disappointed with Minka Fitzpatrick's angle to the ball than I am with Akilah Witherspoon. I mean, it's a guy that just got brought in and he is not as fast as Henry Ruggs as most people are not in this league. I don't know if there is a cornerback as fast as Henry Ruggs. Maybe Javelin Guidry, which is not I don't even know if he's still hanging around with the Jets. He was like a he was an undrafted free agent guy that I looked at that as his name kinda sounds, he's just really fast. He was but like point being Joe Hayden is not fast either. He's he's technical. He's really good. He's he's got the awareness and and stuff, and he can handle that duty. I think he still would have been burned by Rugs in that situation if he was even on Rugs in that situation. What you need is Minka Fitzpatrick to take a better angle. I I still don't really understand his his, his angle to the ball. He, he goes to the, like he knows Rugs is running straight running on an angle forward and he cuts like to where Witherspoon is like behind him. I don't know if he thought Carr was going to underthrow him or what, but Gar car put that on the money. And I think it could have been there. Like he, he, he was fine if he had taken the right angle, but uh, yeah, that's, it was just a tough, tough pill to swallow that really put a seal on the
0: game. So let me, let me kind of first set it up by it's third and 10. The Steelers, uh, I believe, had just scored to make it 23-14 to 14 at that point, I believe. Wait it, a minute, no. It was 16-14. It 16-14, it was was o-
1: that's
0: Vegas. right. This this was the score that made it 23-14. Yes. So on a third and ten, the Steelers have been rushing for pretty much all day, and this was a scenario where the Steelers finally brought a blitz on a key third down. And first of all, you got to give a lot of credit to John Gruden and the Raiders coaching staff for calling this play. And it really put, like you said, Minka Fitzpatrick in a bit of a blender here. The Steelers brought the blitz, and first of all, the blitz was clunky. Seventh-round rookie Trey Norwood had a bit of a tough time blitzing because he got mixed up with Brian Edwards trying to get to the line of scrimmage in the first place. And then I think you mentioned right away when it happened that like he needs to not slow down when he gets to the quarterback. I mean, maybe he's worried about Derek Carr kind of eluding him, but again, this isn't Lamar Jackson, him slowing down there allowed Carr to step into the throw.
1: Yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow too. Trey Norwood looking like he hesitated, uh, was tough (laughs) because it looked like he could have made it there. Uh, if he did not slow up a little bit, but, Again, it is what it is. The blitz came to bite them in one of the most
0: key moments in the game. One of those situations where you really miss Mike Hilton because that was a guy that knew how to time up those blitzes really well. Oh, yeah, Mike Hilton's hitting that.
1: Mike Mike Hilton's hitting that, and it's he's getting sacked.
0: So I gave credit to the Raiders because this is a play designed to take advantage of Minka Fitzpatrick's ability to converge on Darren Waller who they had been focusing on all day and you know they set used him as a decoy and Fitzpatrick was kind of drawn in by it and as soon as he was even though Fitzpatrick recognized it really quick it was too late and like I said that's why I want to give the Raiders credit because they they made it possible for this play to happen because Fitzpatrick would have been in good position otherwise but you like you said the big the big issue with this play is his his line his uh uh his pursuit angle what's the yeah pursuit yeah pursuit angle thank you that's uh that's the term i'm looking for because watching it on replay he's cutting at a slight angle to the right almost like rugs is running a straight vertical but really rugs is running closer to the left pylon than he is straight to the back of the end zone and like you, like you mentioned that kind of threw it all off and he's diving as the ball gets there to try to trip rugs up, but it's just too late. If he had taken a, a better angle, he might not have gotten there immediately, but I think he would have been f- running fast enough while uh, Ruggs was trying to secure the ball. Cause I don't know if you saw, but Ruggs almost dropped that ball that he would have been able to at least stop him at about like, you know, the 10 yard line. So that was an absolute killer.
1: Yeah, I mean, worst comes to worst, you could might have had a chance at a pass interference call. At least a pass interference call gives you uh, another life on another down. If you hold it to a field goal, it's 23-17, and now you ha- still have a ball game if the Steelers can drive downfield on offense, which is a, bit, a big uh, if. But, I mean, when you're looking at the play clock in the game, but when they scored that touchdown, there was still, what, there was still a ton of time left. There were, The the touchdown happened... I think in, there was over eight minutes. Yeah, it was nine minutes and 35 seconds. So you you think you... Uh, Minka gets a, either a tackle or a PI call. It doesn't really matter. Would have been down there at the same time. Uh, they have to run a few more plays. If you stop them... If you get the stop, you stop the touchdown, you're probably looking at at least seven minutes and 30 seconds to score. And seven minutes and 30 seconds probably gives you enough time to make a mistake if you go 3 and out and don't get which is funny cuz they, they got into a third and one situation a fourth and one situation and still didn't go for it. but if you go on a 3 and out and start in like 10 you could still you have the chance to punt it still and maybe get one more shot at it but
0: we won't know <laughs> we'll never know and what what does Mike Tomlin always say you always want to leave blades of of grass to defend so being hit with the home run is bad enough, but allowing him to stand in the end zone is uh, much, much worse. Yep. So, and obviously that was the critical play of the game, and, you know, for all the good the defense did, that, that and then, you know, that was pretty much it. The defense was gassed and more or less defeated after that, as they, they did get the one stop later on, but after that, the Raiders were allowed to run out the clock. So, uh, onwards to the offense, which is going to be a longer discussion point. Maybe, I mean, our expectations for this offense going into the season were what? Not not very not very high, to say the least. I mean, the quarterback's 39 years old. He's coming off a disappointing end of the season. Maybe you can expect that he'll play a little bit better in a new offense that might be more catered to a strong running game, right? You've got a pretty good set of receivers. You've got a what should be a strong two tight ends. And you've got a big question mark at the offensive line. Yeah, they they should struggle as far as pass blocking, but the hope was that they'd be pretty solid in terms of running run blocking. And uh, through two games, uh, just 16 and 17 points offensively, um, I don't think that is necessarily surprising. But I it, at the same time, it feels like this offense is just even worse than where it was at this point last season. And I know that there's hopes and ex- expectations that it'll grow and improve, and it probably will. But there are legitimate questions about this offense.
1: At this point, last season we had 255 rushing yards. Uh, at,
0: or it might I might be off by a yard or two. It might have been like. Well, oh, it was a lot more. It's more than double what they, they have right now. I don't. Did you see my tweet after the game about rushing yards from running backs this year? No, I did not. So I had tweeted that I think this I think I tweeted outside of like kneel downs the Steelers had something like 114 rushing yards through two games, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "You think that's bad, but like it gets worse because like 28 have come from Juju and Chase Claypool on two plays."
1: Yeah, it's tough. So <laughs> it's I, like
0: 86 yards otherwise.
1: The run game last year was better at this point, which is really scary. To be fair, I I, I bring this up pretty often through four weeks, the Steelers were the only team with a hundred yard rusher in every single game last year. They mm-hmm. were a, a really solid rushing. I think we all forget about it because come to, to the end of it, the, uh, at the end of the season, the Steelers could not rush at all anymore, but early on they were rushing at just, they were rushing really well, like whenever they wanted to. So yeah, the the offense last year had double the rush yards at this point. than uh, they have this year. It's just tough. It's almost like you needed to draft offensive linemen.
0: Yeah, and before we get into the whole running back offensive lineman draft thing, because we've had plenty of time to hash that all out, when it comes to constructing a running game, there's a lot that needs to go right. It's not the more efficient way of moving the ball these days, just because of the chunk plays you can get from the passing game that are harder to get in the running game. Najee Harris is a good football player I mean his the touchdown he scored on Sunday was excellent uh you saw exactly why he was drafted where he was what the Steelers saw in him and he did have a long run of 14 yards that was a nice run and had a really good stiff arm he's a talented player he can make guys miss the problem is how many of his 38 yards do you think came after contact because it's probably a safe bet that most of them did if not if not more than what he actually gained
1: yeah, it's gonna be absolutely hard for Najee to just get open holes. He's gonna always be having to run through contact. It's a lot of his yards are after that contact, probably about seventy percent of it. Just really, really tough for him.
0: And that and when it comes to the offensive line, I mean we can we can talk about all the questions that came on the offensive line. They are missing a starter in Zach Banner right now, but we knew there were going to be growing pains from the left side. Even let's just assume that they had their regular starting five and Dan Moore was on the bench right now. There'd still be questions. Outside, uh, pretty much with everybody. Yeah, core Okorafor switching sides to the left side. Kevin Dotson had started just, what, four or five games in the NFL. Kendrick Green was an unproven third-round rookie. At right guard, you had Trey Turner, who had, had a really good career up until the previous year but was awful that year and was coming off of injuries. And then at right tackle, you had Zach Banner with his own injury problems and a very small sample size to boot. So you're rolling the dice on a bunch of different guys, and then you've got Banner on injured reserve. So you move a core for to right tackle, and then you bring in the fourth round rookie. So you've got two fourth round, uh, two fourth rounders, uh, one that's a rookie and one that's a second year player on the left side, a third round center, and then two guys with injury problems. Well, and then uh, another tackle and a core for who's been nothing special and inconsistent so far. So. I, you know, you can envision scenarios where they all work out, but expecting all five to work out, I think, is just foolish. Yeah, it was a tough bet. It was a tough
1: bet for sure to take that all these guys that had their own risk, as you just all pointed them out, were all going to be hunky-dory and better. I think it wasn't crazy to say that there would be some improvements from
0: last year, but holy cow did they take that as a challenge. They said... Did, did you see... You've seen that meme. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you, no I think I might have actually tweeted that meme. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, wow, our, luck, our expectations were low, but wow, holy <laughs> F. <laughs> yeah. No, that's literally what happened. Like We're
1: like, well, they're probably going to suck at pass blocking, but you can't get worse at run blocking this year. <laughs> and So far, they so have far. gotten worse it's it's looked really really bad there's nothing opening there's and then the pass blocking is just completely worse there's nothing going on Ben threw it fast last year and he wasn't getting touched because he was throwing it fast Ben is throwing it fast this year and he's still getting walloped because the the line just sucks that bad like they're just not good together at the moment
0: yeah and and with the running game It sounds like there are players that are occasionally making nice plays. I mean, we've seen Kendrick Green pancake guys a a couple times in both games so far. He's also on the ground a bunch, and he's struggling to deal with the bull rush, right? Uh, Kevin Dotson hasn't been moving players the way he was last year. Dan Moore is a fourth-round rookie, and even though we both like him so far, it's tough to expect him to perform the way he has. Trey Turner has been blah at best. He hasn't been very good in the core for. While it sounds like he rebounded this past week and played a little bit better, he's hardly going to be getting votes for the Pro Bowl based on his performance, and like you said, it, it, it's it's bad enough last year when Ben is dumping it off very fast because he's trying not to get hit, and you can question whether or not he should have been in the first place, but this year it's like he has to do that because he's going to get sacked otherwise, and that's, that's reflected in this week's stat line where he was only sacked twice, but... He was, uh, he was hit 10 other times. So, I mean, when when you're getting hit 10 times on 40 dropbacks, uh, you know, one every four dropbacks, and you're still getting rid of the ball in two and a third seconds, something is very wrong.
1: Yeah. And I don't know how the Steelers are going to necessarily fix it. We're really, I said it on the last podcast, so we're really, really got to hope for some magic things when Banner comes back. I don't know. He's going to have to be a miracle worker. <laughs> He's going to have to make Trey Turner play better next to him somehow because Trey Turner, I feel like, is the biggest problem at the moment. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe moving Cora for to left tackle is going to be the answer. Maybe after preparing all offseason, all he'll actually play solid there, and that'll help on the outsides at least. And then your interior is just kind of like a problem with Kendrick Green and, uh, Kendrick Green and, and Trey Turner and then you hope that Kevin Dotson picks it up with with the guy that they're just playing next to in training camp there. He's more used to it. I don't know. We had to hope for a lot of a lot of things to go really well, which is what the Steelers were hoping going into the year. Like, yeah, let's let's hope for the best with our offensive linemen. and we did not get that. So, I'm not expecting the best possible outcome when when Banner comes back, but I don't know. Like if, if Turner keeps it up, I think you're going to have to start making some calls to to some street-free agents because I think you're going to get better play, uh, literally. Or maybe give Rashad Coward a chance. It's only been two games, but, like, Turner's
0: heading that way
1: already. He just
0: looks really bad. And BJ Finney, who stepped in after he got ejected, did not look good either. Oh, yeah, no. He absolutely got destroyed
1: by... It was one of the slowest fakes I've ever seen. I, I, I don't know if you know what I'm referencing, but, like, on that, that play where it was basically a free rusher at, when B.J. Finney came in because the defensive lineman, like, faked him out by turning his head, making him think it was going to be a pass-off, and they just rushed straight at Ben. That was tough. It was one of the slowest pass rushes I've ever seen, and Finney still fell for it.
0: Uh, you know, we. I feel like we fairly criticized this offensive line going into the year as far as the way it was constructed. Now, I will say the whole David DeCastro thing was a surprise. So the whole Turner patching, like being the patchwork there, I'm not so much critical about that. But just everywhere else, I mean, I felt like we were critical about the way the offensive line was looking at tackle because there were questions about Banner. We weren't sure about that. We didn't like the Hague signing. Uh, You pointed out that Kendrick Green was a guy that making that transition from guard to center And uh, given the fact that he went a year early, he could theoretically still be playing in college right now. He probably needed a year before he could really play and be expected to play at a high level. And through two games, we've seen a lot of good from him, but at the same time, we've seen a lot of the inconsistency that I think you were expecting. Yeah, something I just thought
1: about. I don't know if it makes it better or worse. Uh, If... See, I don't think... Green, because you you made me think about it. I don't think Green got any guard snaps in training camp. That literally might be the move. No, I think, no,
0: I, I they didn't.
1: They didn't. So it's literally not the move. But if he had gotten the snaps, I mean, I thought he was a better guard. I looked at him as a guard because I was like, this guy doesn't stand a chance at center at the uh, in his first year. He needs some time. He's going to be an immediate starter as a guard. And the Steelers said, Nah, he's an immediate starter at center. And I'm like, All right, bet, but. If you move him to set, uh, to guard and J- put J.C. Hausenhauer back at center, I-, I don't know, maybe it'd be a spark. I It I
0: doesn't sound good saying it, but... Grasping at straws right now. I mean, it's bad.
1: And... That, this is what, exactly, like, I don't even think that's a good idea. It's just something to try if the offensive line just keeps playing the way they are. Well, which,
0: le- uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: It's just, which is just unlikely, because uh, Kendra Green has no snaps at guard,
0: so... Mike Tomlin said that he's not looking to make any changes to the offensive line, which, to be honest with you, the one I was going to – I was actually thinking about, not like super seriously, but from the standpoint of something to energize this running game, this is going to surprise you when you hear it because (laughs) I've I've dumped on this guy a lot over the past year, but I would have – if you're looking to seriously try to change the running game – I'd have considered swapping core for, for Joe Haig. That's a Super Bowl winner right there. <laughs> he is. Well, and here's the thing. How much worse is the pass blocking going to be right now? You have to... We'll establish that this offense needs to move the ball by running the ball because the passing game just isn't dynamic enough without a strong running game. And, say, you know, Haig is awful in pass pro, but he might be the team's best run blocking tackle without Zach Banner right now at least on the right side. Yeah, it's tough. I think I
1: think Tomlin might literally be waiting for week 4 to see what happens when Banner comes back till he makes changes. At that point you're like you're a little bit under a fourth of the season, so it's kind of you need to if there are changes to be made, you need to make them, but that's probably what he's waiting for because he knows this isn't the
0: starting line that's supposed to stay. Are you making any changes going into next week if you're the coach? Uh, probably not. But, uh... I'm not. I know that it's partially because you really can't, but I will also say we knew that it was going to be not great to start because it is a position group that needs time to gel and look at all the youth, the left side to the center. I mean, realistically speaking, by the end of next season, you could be looking at Dan Moore, Kevin Dotson, and Kendrick Green in similar respects to the stability we saw from, uh, I am I guess at the time, like like Villanueva, Foster, and Pouncey. Maybe not all that good, but all steady enough where it's like, okay, we have those players. Now we just have to worry about right guard or right tackle.
1: Yeah, and I mean if quarterbacks are not on the plate for next year, right guard should be one of the top of the list. I can't think of many other spots I would need it much
0: more. Mhm. But the point the point is is that there's certainly a scenario where those three players get better throughout the season and I don't think that it's unreasonable to think that they will get better. The question is just how much and how long will it take for them to get there. And can, can you get to a point where Trey Turner is at least passable enough and, you know, whether it's Chooks or Banner, um, can they at least not be the liabilities they've been in the first two weeks? I mean, I, again, and we're, I guess we're talking that best case scenario thing again, but at least with the left side of the line, there's hope that they can get better and that can kind of make things a little bit easier to deal with. But the question is how long do you hold out hope for that?
1: I don't know. In the meantime, you probably have to do some other things to help your run game. I would start by making Kevin Raider a game day active, elevating him. Uh, like Not putting him on the 53, just elevating him on game days and making Gentry an active and, so that you can uh, use him in blocking situations. I would start using Derek Watt a little bit more as a lead yeah, blocker. Yeah, that's,
0: that's another thing. Zero snaps on Sunday for... Uh, the elder, elder Watt brother there.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, it's just inexcusable, I feel like. it was expensive, just Expensive
0: expensive special teams player right there. Yeah, it there. was
1: piss poor management to sign him. Like, I have nothing against Derek Watt. I think he deserves better. I think he was so good with uh, L.A. Uh, he was involved in the passing game. He was essentially another tight end out there. And then he also played really well on special teams. And now he's just stuck on special teams. And for what? To get... Ebron out there now, like that—that's what you're sacrificing. I mean, two tight end sets. Why are you, why even put Ebron out there if it's going to be a run? Like you might as well do a Fryermouth and Derek Watt instead of if you're going to put Fryermouth and Ebron on a run. If you're taught, if you're passing, sure, I I can understand that. And even then, it's just kind of like you could interchange it because I think Watt has better passing abilities that I I don't know maybe the Steelers forgot about uh, pass catching I should say, but it just I, I honestly it's probably no one would trade for a fullback but if anyone wants to trade a sixth and for watt in the seventh i think the steelers should hop on that because they're just not
0: using him waste they won't because he's the special teams captain yeah it is a waste though you know i mean all this all this money for what and you know what last year you could say you know what he was injured for large portions of last year i Still think they should have used him more last year, but whatever. This is supposed to be an offense that's supposed to utilize the fullback more. And even in a situation with a four-minute offense in week one, they weren't using him. Yeah,
1: it's just, I, I, there's just no opportunity for him on offense. And it's kind of, it's just like, it doesn't make sense. No one on offense is
0: like that great that he can't come on for a few snaps. Well, the way they're playing this year, that that's the argument last year that I listened to, right? And I understood it. Which receiver are you going to take off? And now you ask that question this year, okay, which receiver do I even want on the field right now with the way they're playing? Juju? Yeah, I And mean, exactly. Deontay's hurt. I mean, I'm okay with it right now. I'm not I'm not even saying have him on the field for like 20 snaps, but like 10 or 15 in situations where you need that yard or you have to try to get the running game going. And shoot, I'd even consider put putting Joe Haig out there as the extra tight end rather than have Eric Ebron out there too. You gotta do something to try to put some life into this game because even though there's been a lot of bad runs so far, there's also been several runs that have come pretty close to being busted. There was a there was a play in this game too that I think uh, I f- I forget when it was, but I feel like Najee was quite close. Like if, if there was one or two extra blocks that had been hit, he might have been off for like a twenty yard run. Uh, but are you talking about that missed hold on Kendrick Green, where Kendrick Green, if he just got in
1: front a little bit
0: faster, would have. What, I think he was held by the defensive lineman on that play. Right? Yeah, Green was held. Yeah, it was yes. a missed defensive that actually, holding call. That might have been a ben, that might have been one of the Benny Snell runs, actually. But oh, that yeah. was Benny Snell. Yes, sorry. But well, regardless, even Benny Snell would have had a big gain there, a minimum like five six yards, I believe, if I'm remembering. But yeah, you know, just another instance where just one thing goes wrong and it gets blown up. So, But, yeah, I'd want to see more Derek Watt. I'd consider uh, that extra offensive lineman. Um, You know, you just have to endure the growing pains, but at the same time, you need better from all those guys, and they know it too. I feel like we haven't seen that many sets with a swing tackle at all this year. Not this year, no. And we haven't seen, outside of, like, the basic scripted opening uh, drives, we haven't seen... A ton of motion that's been useful. We saw it on the goal line with Juju, but that's about it. We, we've we seen, like, the <clears> – <throat> what's it called? the Not the motion, but, like, where they're all moving around before the snap. Uh, shifting. We're seeing shifts, but we're not seeing a ton of motion. It it still feels very similar to last year's offense, and we can kind of get into the passing aspect of that now if you want. But just the running game has to get going. Um, I, I don't think we're asking for a ton – I just think that and, and you know we were talking you know we just need to see minimum 50% success rate so far I think they're around 44% right now so not good enough but at some point with the way this offense is I think you're going to have to start asking for like minimum 85-90 rushing yards per game too even though we're we're more about efficiency per play as opposed to total yards I think you are going to need the raw numbers with the way this offense is going to need to produce
1: yeah, it's tough. They just got they got to try a few different things. They they got they got to figure it out somehow, some way. We we presented quite a few things today. That yeah, we they, did. They could good do. for us.
0: Good for us. dude. Yeah. We're not. I I've, I don't know. In some ways, it feels like they aren't that far off. But in other ways, it feels like they're just nowhere close. I mean, the, I know the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, and he's the best running quarterback that's ever played. But come on, man. They're down to their third, fourth, fifth, and you know eighth running back this year. And they're also without Ronnie Stanley. And they just re- – I know it was the Chiefs defense, but they just crushed them on the ground last uh, Sunday night. Yeah, it's
1: tough. Well, I know something else, Sad. Uh, at the moment, the rookie – uh rushing record has been the same for the Steelers forever. It's only been like a thousand and what five yards from Franco. Yeah,
0: Franco Harris in that fourteen game.
1: I'll look it up right now. Literally, yeah, it's like a thousand five yards at the moment. With an extra game, Harris is not even within three hundred yards of that. Uh, if if he continues, uh, if he continues at this average, I'm sorry, that was probably super unclear. If he continues at the average he's going, he's not even within three hundred yards of breaking that with the extra game. So, that is tough. So,
0: Harris had 1,055 rushing yards, and total scrimmage yards was 1235.
1: Yeah. At at the rate we're going, we thought that, at least I thought it would be like a sure thing. I was like, yeah, he's got an extra game. As long as he doesn't get hurt, it'll be fine. Well, he's not hurt, at least not yet. Knock on wood that that doesn't happen. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's just really sad.
0: (laughs) Really, really sad. you probably figured he'd have a similar rookie year to Le'Veon Bell, where Bell wasn't super efficient, but he just got so much volume that it kind of made up for it. And Bell didn't get the record because he missed several games to start the season. Harris, so far, has obviously played the two games. It's just they can't justify giving him the volume, at least on the ground, because it's just been so bad. Uh, and then the passing game, we can I guess we can kind of transition to that now. Uh, it looks like you know, very similar in terms of the way it was executed last year with a lot of spread, quick passes, and, uh, you know, there are areas of the field being utilized. There, You know, a lot of the field is being utilized, but there's two areas of the field that aren't being touched at all, and that's making it easier to defend the Steelers. And again, the Raiders play a lot of single high, so for this game it made sense to not target the deep middle of the field very often, but... Beyond, like, I think it's like 11 or 12 yards between the numbers, the Steelers' passing offense just has not gone there pretty much since uh, the end of the 2018 season.
1: Yeah, I it's just been really bad. Like I remember talking about it with Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges that they were not targeting anywhere in the middle of the field past 10 yards, and now Ben Roethlisberger's passing chart looks exactly like Mason Rudolph's. It, it's just really, really bad. I set it out to the Bills game, but, like, the entire offense against the Bills was chucking it up to Chase Claypool and either hoping for a penalty or a circus catch, and that didn't happen this week. Chase Claypool really struggled, and then also Casey Hayward played really well, who was on Chase Claypool, and the Steelers did not win the penalty battle. And it was just how it was. And it was just the offense was not able to do anything. Ironically, they scored more points than they did in the Buffalo game, but... Still just not good enough. Like, it didn't... It doesn't feel like it. And, I mean, I guess it was only one point. But, just not good enough in the passing game. I And, what's more frustrating is... It's not only are they not good enough. Like, they're missing the easy stuff. They're not... Najee Harris is not involved enough in the passing game. He's not being passed enough, too. When you're only throwing short. When you're only throwing short, you'd expect your running back that is running routes... Uh, to catch more, I, I say that, and I think he got five catches
0: in this past game. If I'm not, he a... did. He caught all five of his targets, but I don't think any. I don't think he's had any reception where he was the primary like read on the play. So yeah. far, yeah,
1: and that needs to change. First round running back,
0: by the way, just and where are the screens. I know this team sucked at screen passes over the last few years, but I mean the comp- offensive line is completely different. These guys are supposed to be able to be. Moving well out in space, and we've seen that so far. Why not do it? This this should be the perfect time to do it.
1: Yeah, we haven't seen any of those either. The offense has has so many dimensions missing to it. So, so many. I mean, you're not using a fullback. You're not bringing out an entire type of play in screens. Like you're not throwing into the deep middle. What are you doing? <laughs> like like you you're making it so much easier for bad defenses to read you. When on top of it, your offensive line is playing like garbage. So. Even if you do dial up a good play call, it's just your offensive line's getting run through. Like there's, I, uh, or even if your, I, – I said that reverse. Even if your offensive line plays good, like you you have a predictable play going on. Like you're there's so much missing from this offense. I know you only get like a handful of offensive snaps every game, but, geez, they need to change it up a little bit.
0: Add something. Every- Every part of this offense is like out of sync and not working, except for like the you know hooks, little hooks that we see to start the game, and it's like everyone, every part of the offense is waiting for another part to take the lead and start playing better, but none of them are. No, they keep passing yeah. off to the other. Like no, you do it. <laughs> and last year the Steelers got away with it for the first like half of the season, because teams weren't expecting it that's not how the Steelers under Ben Roethlisberger had traditionally played and then once they adjusted to that there just hasn't been an adjustment off of that you know the Steelers will take their shots in some games it works well for them like it did in Buffalo and sometimes it doesn't in this one and you know what to be fair the there were two really nice passes and completions to Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson in this game two beautiful passes and they were executed perfectly on the other end as well but the problem is, they're not coming up with those enough, those 50 uh, those 50 balls. You can say Chase Claypool probably should have come up with one or two more of those. But if that's the only time you're going deep down the field, you're not going to be as productive as you could be. And, you know, again, it's not just. It'd be one thing if there weren't, if it was just one of those zones, intermediate or deep, that's not getting enough attention. But when it's both of them, you're seriously you're really putting the offense in a box and which that's why you need the running game. Because if you can't, if you're not doing that in the passing game, then you have to be able to move the ball in other ways. And without the running game doing that, you're just mashing the head, you're heading to the wall. And again, I know that the Raiders, the way they scheme their defense makes it difficult to do that in this game, but you know, they're a cover three team. Why not have slot receivers run, you know, seam routes it doesn't feel like too long ago that we saw guys like Jesse James, Ladarius Green, you know, running routes like that. I mean, shoot, we've seen Juju do that in the past. I mean, wh- where has Juju's route tree gone the last year? We've talked about it. He's, after the first month and a half of the season, he was basically running a running back route tree. Literally.
1: under. And he still is. Yeah, under seven yards per catch in this game. Under seven.
0: Uh, And I still think he played real. I think he's been our best receiver through two games. He is just, he's almost like a running back, which ironically he had the first rushing touchdown of the year, but I mean, he's so hard to bring down.
1: Yeah. Just really, really tough. He's a
0: big running back out there with hands. He's, he's Le'Veon Bell now. (laughs) Oh yeah. And you know, so there's all these issues about not targeting the middle of the field not pushing the ball down the field. And then you have problems with individual receivers. Like we just mentioned, Chase Claypool probably should be coming up with more of those balls because he's, you know, he has the body type and the skills to do so. He needs to be able to come up with more of them. What about Deontay Johnson? I mean, for all the good plays that he makes, he's so inconsistent and it feels like three or four times a game him and Ben Roethlisberger are like, look, it's like they're speaking two different languages to each other, and they just can't understand what's going on. I mean, that's what happened on the Roethlisberger interception. Deontay Johnson just stops on the route where Ben was lofting it up deep to what looks like he purposefully threw it to Raiders defenders. And then later in the game, it ha- something like that happened again, or it was a third down, and he just Ben launches it deep down the field, and Johnson pulled up. Uh, what is going on between these two? Why is it that Johnson can't get it when Ben and Antonio Brown, who is as wacko as they gets, those two knew each other, like exactly what the other person was thinking.
1: Before I get to that, really quickly, uh, as for Claypool, he has the worst contact balance like I've ever seen. Just absolutely, really, really bad. Like I feel like he falls every single target that we see him get. Like it, it, it is really really bad in that regard like he's he's got got to keep his balance a little bit better I think that's what he should work on more than anything
0: and what's what's wild is is I've you watched a little bit more of his college tape but didn't he have a lot of plays in college where he was coming up with plays like that yeah I
1: I don't remember if that contact balancing was an issue it might have not been because against smaller players uh he might have been able to hold his own better but for a guy as big as him, he's like he's got to control the catch point and be able to to maintain balance through the catch. Like it would help him so much. Like on I originally uh, on the Casey Hayward breakup in the end zone or towards the end zone. Uh, I originally said, oh well, that was a really good play by Casey Hayward, and I still hold it was a good play by Casey Hayward. But it was. But uh, if. Chase Claypool doesn't fall backwards. He has a much better, he has a much better attack at the catch point. I mean, the reason why he can't come up with that is he's in the process of falling backwards, which gives Casey Hayward, who's already in good position, a good chance to just push forward and push the ball out because, just the way physics works, Chase is coming down, Casey's pulling pushing out. Like it's just it's going to be a hard catch, and. Like, he's got to maintain that balance at the catch point so that he's not falling as he's catching because it was unnecessary to do that, just going back. But uh, moving on to Deontay Johnson, it's just like, if it's not one thing, it's another. I think Johnson overall was uh, solid in this game, but those miscues are so annoying and so frustrating. We've seen it in the past, but we're more focused on his drops, and that's what I'm saying, if it's not one thing, it's another. Last year was all about Johnson dropping. He doesn't look confident. He's not getting. He keeps dropping the ball. Led the league with drops with uh, with fourteen. Now he has the most targets of any wide receiver without a drop at twenty two, according to PFF. Like through through these two weeks. So now it's not the drops. Now it's hey, I don't know what the I'm either giving up on the play or I don't know what the play is. I'm uh, there's something wrong here. I I don't. It's it was something we did see last year. Just we weren't as focused on it because I mean, I I don't know. I it's hard to tell who's usually the problem. But now that I mean, it's is we see it's a reoccurring thing when it happens with Deontay Johnson. I think we could say it's safe to say and no one else. It's yeah. Deontay. So that's tough. But hopefully, I I don't know what he needs. I guess he needs to sit down with the playbook for a little while longer. Just really focus on in needs to listen better i have no idea it's such it's so it's it's like a memory game it, it seems to be a pro- problem with just knowing what the play is
0: it's so frustrating too because he's clearly the best receiver when it comes to getting open and like if he if this wouldn't happen you know there's a good chance that he has a much bigger day in both games but especially this game
1: yeah just really tough it's another situation you know how the entire offense we were talking about waiting for someone else the entire wide receiver room is waiting for someone else Juju's been fine but it's like his route tree is so limited that he can't do anything Chase Claypool has all the intangibles to be amazing I mean there was a reason he was called Mapletron and he's just like he he doesn't have the good contact balance as we pointed out and then there's Deontay Johnson who's just knowing the playbook away from being an elite wide receiver (laughs)
0: And then there's James Washington, who last year would catch two passes a game, but they'd be, both be huge. And this year he's caught two, pa- I think, two passes for three yards and had a drop on his only target. So everything is going wrong right now. Although yeah. he will play, more, assuming Deontay Johnson misses time this week. Yeah, it will be tough. And on top of that, <laughs> all these issues aside, even if Ben you know, suddenly changes to want to target the middle of the field, even if all these issues start getting corrected, the offensive line is still such a disaster in pass pro, at least it was this past week against what seems to be a little bit better of a defensive front from the Raiders. I don't know if Ben is going to consistently have enough time to hit passes like that. I mean, he will on some occasions, but he got, again, he got hit 10 times on 42 dropbacks and sacked two other times.
1: It's just a cycle of sadness. That's what the Steelers offense is right now. It's a cycle of sadness. Well, if this guy does good, you still have to wait for the other guy. If this guy does good, you still have to wait for the other guy. If this, that, this, that, this, that, so on, so Eric forth. Eric Ebron this. Eric which, Ebron. by the way, th-
0: <laughs> two targets. The, the first, just like the preseason game, Vintage Ben escaping pressure, finds uh, Ebron, gets the ball to him, and I know it's a tough catch. That's not as tough as the one Claypool had to try to come up with in the end zone. This was definitely a drop by Eric Ebron. I mean, you've got to make that play when your 39-year-old quarterback does that. Yeah,
1: Ben did all that just for Ebron to drop it. It just really does feel fitting. It is one of those things where it's like, it was literally what we just described. Well, if Ben's going to do all that, you still have Eric Ebron dropping the
0: ball. Classic. Mm -hmm. The cycle of sadness continues. And... (laughs) Uh, Friermuth, I thought played pretty well in limited action. Although it's uh, from what I saw, he outsnapped Ebron. So it sounds like Ebron is getting phased out of this offense. And I don't know with the way that guy acts sometimes. I'm not like concerned about him as a character guy per se. I just know that he can get frustrated. I kind of like, not jokingly, but I was kind of like, hey, maybe th- I texted you today. I was like, what if the Steelers tried to trade him? And then you just load up with Gentry, Raider, and Fryermuth and then just hopefully have a better run blocking unit. Because when you have a number two tight end that's not being used as a target because he drops the ball and is a liability as a run blocker, what good is he?
1: Yeah, it's so frustrating. He is kind of similar to the wide receivers where, I mean, he he's like Deontay Johnson in the fact that he could be so good, not as a blocker, but... Uh, he is so good with the ball in his hands for a tight end, like the way he moves, but he can't get the ball in, in his hands. And now he has two problems. He can't block and then he also has a drop problem. So it's just, it's easy to phase him out when that happens. I just don't understand why going back to what we said earlier, why you wouldn't phase him out for, uh, the fullback, but whatever. Yeah, like that's I guess. the
0: guy you pull off the field for that, but I don't know.
1: Uh, that we, we, we're make sense. running in
0: we're running in circles now but mm-hmm. we talked about the offensive line for all the problems they've had it is reasonable to think that there are elements of the line that can improve throughout the year and can hopefully start improving next week uh i have to think that there's hope for the receivers too from what we've seen out of them you know i think juju's been solid I like what I've seen from Friar I have to think that at some point, I I know Deontay had those miscommunication issues last year, but I have to think that they can be limited, at least at some point. And we've seen Claypool make plays before. I just think he's had a bad start to the year. I do think there's hope for the skill group. I just don't know when it's going to happen and if it's going to happen for all of them at the same time. It, it seems like something that's just going to, again, take time, and I don't know why. This is the Steelers' supposedly best position group, and I think that as bad as the line has been, this is the group I was hoping that would kind of stand on its head and help pull the Steelers out of this rut, and they haven't at all.
1: No, not quite yet. They're just not – no one is pulling through on the offense.
0: And then last but not least, what about, uh, what about Ben himself? Uh, we saw, we we did see this game. Remember, we were talking last week about, well, are we even concerned? Like, are we concerned with the fact that he's not stepping into these throws? Well, he stepped into them in this game and still got drilled, anyways. Um, that middle of the field thing is legitimate, though. Um, I I go back and forth between he's thirty nine, I shouldn't expect that much, and at the same time, he's still a professional. And he's in his eighteenth year, he should know what is and isn't working. Like, come on now.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard. It's hard to point out. I mean, this week was a little bit better for the accuracy.
0: Uh uh definitely I think besides the pick he played, I, I thought he played fine. Like not great, but not, not not nearly as bad as week one either, I thought. Yeah. Manageable. Manageable mm-hmm. if the rest of your team plays
1: good (laughs) around you or even decently around you just not good enough when the rest of your team is going to play like garbage so but that's again not his fault if the rest of the team plays like garbage too so uh it just is what it is i we gotta hope for better from everyone
0: all the negativity aside this game is just one game Remember, a lot of people were saying Steelers are going to the Super Bowl after we beat Buffalo last week. You know, I just think it's important to recognize uh, it's just one game. Who knows? Maybe they, if they go out and beat Cincinnati next week, they'll be on top of the division with a 1-0 record in the division. So, you know, and then we'll be riding the Super Bowl high again. So just remember when we're talking about all these things, these are problems. They do need to be, you know, You do need to have attention brought to them, but at the same time, it's important to understand that over the course of the season, a lot of things can change.
1: Yep. Anything can happen. Any given Sunday.
0: Special dishonorable mention to to Justin Lane for that third and fourth uh, play where he dragged the, I think it was Hunter Renfro over the first down marker.
1: Oh, I remember that because I said that man isn't strong at all. <laughs> he just let he just let Renfro do that to him. That that was a play Joe Hayden would have made.
0: Yeah, the the well known strong and uh, you know lifting bro Hunter Renfro. Yeah, that everyone
1: doesn't make fun of on Twitter every time they post a picture of him and say this is an NFL wide receiver. Yep. Fun. So special. Yeah, good time to- Special good times. teams quickly, because I think there's a good amount to point out on special teams.
0: I, okay, can I... First, uh, are you, you were going to talk about the Ray Ray uh, return. Did you want to start there? Uh, I was going to talk about everything, because I thought that there was a good amount to talk about. Okay, I, all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go for it. You you, uh, you lead wherever you want to go.
1: So, first off, Chris Boswell, just, uh, on a weekend full, full of sadness, set a Heinz Field record for longest field goal in Heinz Field history. Chris Boswell has been quietly been the Steelers' best player, <laughs> their best scoring weapon, uh, quite literally. He's been really, really good this year. He's been really good since last year after that one year where he just had a really random bad year. But, yeah, Chris Boswell, I just wanted to take time out to say that he's had quite the comeback from that year two years ago, and he's he is on his way to a Pro Bowl season if
0: he keeps it up. Uh, if Is it unreasonable to think that he's a top maybe five kicker in the league, maybe even top three I think so, I mean, I do
1: too it's it's not out of this realm, and I mean we're seeing some regression from other kickers, like I feel like justin Tucker isn't is is losing a step like it's it's happening, and it's uh Zerloin's already gone, like zerloin is is just done, uh, and he was what like happened to that guy yeah he's just a t- kickers fell off it's like goskowski fell off in like one season as well it's just it was done, it was over, and it's Harry too. Yeah, it's just it's just how it happens, and you see it. I feel like that's what happens. You see it for one season. You get it sneaks in. It's like, huh, that might be a problem. And then the next season, it's over. It's just your garbage. Time, to, time to move on. I don't know if we're there for Justin Tucker yet, but I, I see some. I see a little bit of not as good. Like I, I'm pretty sure week one they said, oh, he's automatic, and then he missed one. And I feel like that's it's 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 starting to creep in. But uh, regardless. Chris Boswell, really good. Setting a hindfield record in a traditionally hard stadium to do so, very, very good. I mean, it's it's been an unbroken record for quite a while now. Uh, that's that's really all I had to say for Chris Boswell. Then I thought there was – I'll let you take the lead on Ray Ray
0: McLeod. Yeah, so that, that return, I it was I wanted, it was the second half. I know that. I forget the score. Do you remember the game flow situation there? I'm pretty sure fourth quarter I think. Was it before
1: the the touchdown? No, that was a touchback. I don't know. Now I'm confused. Was it the was it there? Yes. Okay. It was so the fourth quarter. It was the fourth quarter. It was after a four-play drive, three and out for for the uh, Raiders. Uh, it was twenty three fourteen. Steelers basically had like one more chance to get into it with two minutes thirty two seconds left. They would have needed a oh, miracle. Oh,
0: was this after the fourth and one play, or was this before that? Uh, this was. This was after that. Yeah. So this. The, okay. So let's back up real quick. That fourth and one call. I know I w- really harped on it on Twitter, and I was pissed off because of the way the whole Ravens thing went. Uh, with the Ravens and Chiefs game I'm not horrifically outraged at the call itself in a vacuum I just hate the idea of the whole thumping the chest we don't live in our fears when you spend all this draft capital on improving the running game and then you won't even try
1: yeah that was tough I mean you're down 23-14 If
0: if it's the start of the quarter I wouldn't do it but given that you had already used a timeout I felt like And look, the, the analytics bot says, go for it. So I would have gone for it. Yeah. Even then, I mean,
1: we're looking back and it, it, it turned out to be the right decision, but you just, it still didn't work out. I mean,
0: I don't know if that makes
1: it the right decision.
0: I don't think it does because it's one thing. I don't know. I just, I think that's just a results biased approach to it because you talk about, okay, well the defense came up with a stop. Well, yeah, they did but you talk about game and situation and Mike Tomlin's defense has been out there practically all game and yeah, you trust in them, but at the same time they're exhausted and they luckily got you the four play drive and we're done, but you lost that much more time and you only ended up getting a net of two yards. Once you got the ball back just to have to go down the field again. So, I mean, yeah, I understand that the game's basically over if you don't get it, but the offense is going to have to put together a long drive. Anyways, are you really expecting your defense to get a turnover there? I don't think so. Um, you just want them to stop it so you can get the ball back. I I understand the people saying that, but I think that that's a results-biased approach. I think you get something going, you've got to get the ball moving.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very low chance that it works out. It is a very low chance that you get a three and out. I mean, that's obviously, they're hoping for a three and out or a turnover in those first three, and that's not high chance for either so i think they should have gone for it as well i think that it's just you have to especially you're coming off momentum like you just scored a touchdown on the on the uh the drive prior and that's not going to happen very often as if the offense continues this way i feel like they should have uh ridden that momentum as much as they could and i mean converting a fourth and one does continues the momentum if you get it. if you don't i mean you still lose whatever But you tried. But, yeah.
0: Tough. So, that that return by McLeod afterwards, I didn't see a replay of it. My initial thought was I didn't have an issue with him cutting it upfield just because I'm not a huge fan of returners trying to string it out on the outside. I prefer them getting upfield and getting as much yardage as they can do you think that he would have had a touchdown or could have gotten a lot more if he had tried to go outside? Oh yeah. I was so sad. I was,
1: that return made me so sad on a day that McLeod was actually really solid. And even that return in general was solid, but like for what it could have been, I don't even remember who tackled him. It was Derek Carrier, the tight end and, uh, and Marcus Lee, I think maybe I'm not sure. But it's just like I remember watching and thinking, wow, that guy to the outside is so slow. He could totally cut it outside. And there was no one else there. I'm thinking that if he bounced it outside, he's getting about 15 more yards for a 30-yard return to take it to midfield. And I it probably doesn't make the difference. Uh, it's... I mean, the Steelers' offense stopped at the Las Vegas 38 on on the ensuing plays. But it might save you time. I don't know. It might save you time. You might be getting the better field position, might change it. You might get a touchdown. I don't think he would have went for a touchdown. I just think that uh, it would have been a major shift in how much and where they started. I mean, they were basically would have started at midfield, I think. I really do want to see a replay, though. I haven't seen that play since i wonder if it's on the nfl app
0: it's it's not on the official highlights video because that's what i've been watching i was trying to find it and i was like it's probably in here and it's not so yeah that's that's a shame it's i'm sure it's somewhere but regardless yeah um i thought overall he played well but i guess he could have probably gotten a little bit more on that i didn't see i didn't see that on my one look at it though but again i only saw it one time and wasn't didn't see another replay of it uh kicking game boswell the uh record long at heinz field seems crazy considering the amount of games justin tucker's played there over the years but what can you say about him ever since that ironically enough the low point of his career was the last time they played the raiders and isn't it funny how three years later how much better he's gotten since then
1: yeah it's so so good that uh he's returned to form
0: And, uh, yeah, they needed that kick. I was a little surprised the Steelers went for the kick. I know it was 4th and 10, but, I mean, how can he just not have all the confidence in the world with that guy? Uh, Super happy for him. Uh, Punting game I thought was very good, too. Presley Harvin had a couple not-so-great punts in the opener but answered with three of his four punts being down inside the 20, including a 59-yard boom in this one. Uh, It's nice to have a guy like that that can legitimately flip the field.
1: Yeah, that was part of uh, that was also part of like the perfect punting, the perfect situation on that punt on 4th and 1. It would have been so much worse if he didn't punt it for 58 yards. About everything that could have went right for Tomlin making that decision did. I mean, that punt was as good as it gets and then the defense played really well after it.
0: Yeah, and I'm not outraged about it, but you know what I am outraged about and I I should have mentioned him as a dishonorable uh loser for this game and it's Trey Turner uh so for those who aren't aware the Steelers right guard was ejected I think it was the yeah it was the Najee Harris touchdown he was ejected from the game uh because he spat on I do not remember who but he spat on a Raiders player and it was confirmed on video and uh he got ejected from that i i didn't see it at first i thought he was just i was like why did he get ejected and then i i heard about that it was confirmed and i was like well if he did that then absolutely he deserved to be ejected and uh, i didn't like mike tomlin's response to this after the game i'm gonna be honest with you he said uh he said quote uh in regards to uh whether or not he agreed with turner being ejected he said quote somebody spit in his face I understand the 15-yard penalties and so forth, gaining control of the game. But Trey is not a young guy. He's not overly emotional. He's a flatliner. For him to respond the way he responded, what transpired, I was stating that case to them. I didn't, meaning the officials, I did not believe he did enough to be kicked out of the football game. So, on one hand, I understand standing up for your player and trying to protect him and whatnot, but... I don't think that there's – I think that it's wrong for him to say that he didn't do enough to be ejected. That's absolutely enough to be ejected from a game, especially given everything that happened with COVID in the past year. Uh, I just think that that's completely insensitive, and I think that a guy like Trey Turner, who's been around the block for as long as he has, should know much better than to do something like that. And even if he did get spat in the face first, um, I'd have – I hate to say this, but I'd have rather he just wound up and swung at the guy.
1: Yeah, spitting is just so—I don't know. It's so classless. classless. It really yeah. is. Throw a punch. It's—it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just yeah. I think you—you you nailed
0: it by saying that. Well, and I don't know. I—I I, am I wrong for not agreeing with what Tomlin said there? I mean, I—I'm I, all for sticking up for the player, but what Turner did was wrong, and saying he shouldn't have been ejected is just flat out incorrect.
1: Yeah, no, he should have. He one hundred percent should have been ejected.
0: So, that puts a bow up on uh, what was an ugly week two loss. But for all that, again, just a nine point defeat at the hands of the Raiders. Still a game that right before the Rugs' home run ball felt like was a winnable game. So now one and one, the Steelers will host the Bengals in week three. Uh, any final thoughts on this one? uh no i think
1: we handled it all pretty well we talked about all the shortcomings everything going forward yeah i think we're good
0: all righty let's move on to the broader scope of the nfl uh, a couple things i want to get to first uh bradley chubb the denver broncos edge rusher is having surgery to repair a bone spur uh i believe in his foot and he's, uh, he's going to miss the minimum six to eight weeks, which means he will not be available for the game against the Steelers in week five. So uh, that'll neuter their pass rush a bit, which is good for the Steelers. But obviously not good because this is a guy that's had some injury problems throughout his career so far.
1: Yeah, it's tough for Bradley Chubb. I mean, I feel like every time he comes back, he just gets hit with something else. So I hope he hurries back.
0: Elsewhere, not just Pittsburgh, there were a lot of other teams dealing with injuries. There were a bunch of different quarterback injuries. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, who is going to unfortunately miss some time with a hamstring pull. Carson Wentz sprained both of his ankles. He's questionable at best right now. Uh, Andy Dalton is injured. Baker Mayfield missed some time in the game. and uh, Also, I forgot to mention this. Derek Carr got hurt uh, with an ankle injury over uh, the course of the game, but he ended up returning I think a couple plays later and uh, he is questionable right now for next week.
1: It's so sad. We couldn't see the Nathan Peterman return to Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, mm. That would have been funny, but yeah, no, it was a tough week on top of it. Guys like Jarvis Landry got hurt. It's just a bunch of injuries every week. It feels like well, there's some big ones. I guess that is just every NFL season, but felt like a lot this week. A lot of big ones.
0: That that Baker Mayfield injury just gave me so many vibes from Ben's injury two years ago, the way he was grabbing at it. I know it was just a shoulder that he had to get put back in place, but the way he was grabbing when he first got hurt, just like if I was a Browns fan, I'd have had a huge sinking feeling in my stomach.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought that was more serious. I-, I really did. I thought he was going to be out. I thought he broke his collarbone.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it did not look good at all. So, uh, thankfully he's okay and, uh, hoping for speedy recoveries for everyone else involved. Uh, also one last thing I wanted to point out in regards to the NFL. How about that freaking taunting, uh, role? God, what a disaster that is.
1: Hey, do you guys want something that no one asked for?
0: That's the NFL special right there.
1: That's the NFL special, baby. You're getting it. But no, I like celebrations. We push so hard for touchdown celebrations to be relaxed because uh, it's more enjoyable that way. Sorry, fans. We are going to do the opposite for anything. If if you have a good play, you need to stand there straight in a T-pose and walk back to the line of scrimmage. And that's all you do. That's just really dumb. I'm, I'm being overly sarcastic and annoying just to say that it is really, really dumb, what the NFL taunting role. There's no reason for it. I don't know who asked for it.
0: I think it was John Mara. John Mara. Yeah, John literally. Mara. Yep. literally The guy Mara's... who noted noted football player and not owner, John Mara. Yeah, literally. No
1: one asked for it other than him. Like I see the occasional, like, well, if they played football... in like they wouldn't have to worry about these penalties like on Twitter but like i it's not a major it is definitely not a majority i think if you put this out to a vote there'd be like 95% saying please stop with this taunting bs that's going on right now it's just really stupid like you can't even celebrate in the direction of the player like if if you do it like just because you're excited and they just happen to be over there you're getting flagged straight to jail <laughs> like that—that's—it's just so stupid, and it's not. There's so many things that the NFL has to fix with their rules, with uh, they've had to fix over the years with passing, pass interference, catching, and then they choose to focus on taunting, what everyone obviously cared
0: about. <laughs> A uh, quick note I wanted to get out there. A uh, uh, football life is returning on uh, NFL Network and starting with James Harrison in about four minutes. I thought that was Friday. Is it Friday? I thought it was going to be. T- oh my God, it is Friday. I am a doofus. Well, maybe by the
1: time you guys hear this, it'll be four minutes. <laughs> it's four, four minutes from
0: then so yeah we'll be sure we'll be sure to post this episode 20 minutes before or i guess it would be an hour and 20 minutes how long is this episode we are almost at an hour and a half wow a lot to talk about today yeah it was a lot. Of, we had a lot of tell.
1: talking about the circle of sadness <laughs> oh, yeah i want to make an uh, image surf... for that now <laughs> i, w- I want to L- make like well, t- good. i want to take like the recycling image and just put one with uh, ben getting sad one one with groins and then one with like The ball floating over Najee's head.
0: (laughs) All groins. They're all groins. That's all you need to know. Fair. Very fair. What a tough week. But, again, it's just one week. So. Yeah, we just beat...
1: Beating the Bills feels so long ago now. (laughs) It
0: feels like this, this means nothing. We're now losing the rest of the season. Well, and watch. If they somehow put in a huge game like they win by a... Well, last year they beat the Bengals by 26 at home. Let's say they win... 31 to 13 next week. It'll be Steelers Super Bowl. You know, book it right away. People be getting tattoos. That's how it's gonna go. Just like it was last week when they beat the Bills. So, you know, again, it's I another reason I hate not having the 16 week season is because you could go every four games. It's like a quarter. So it's like the first quarter, first four games. How'd you do then? And it's like okay, they last year they went four and zero perfect that's how you want it you know what i mean and now i get to do that but then there's also an additional game that's a middle finger to me at the end <laughs> you could pre- you could pretend that the middle game is the middle finger and you could just forget about the middle game yeah we'll just throw that one out or i could just uh oh the bye yeah. week ruins the middle game um i yeah, guess it does well only if you yeah. want it to yeah, you know what you i could just uh, i could just see it as 16 games and then an extra bonus week that i get to just not care i don't know we'll see i'm not worried about it i'll be happy when it happens because it means more football um you want to get to everything else that happened around the nfl last week uh sure we could do what what
1: happens so first and foremost i think we already talked about
0: thursday night football so yeah we, we did on uh what did we record friday or saturday so that means the next game we would talk about would have been the Bears beating the Bengals 20-17, to a game that uh, Justin Fields getting uh, first real extended look, first extended action at quarterback, and uh, one that the Bengals kind of made the score look better than it really was. The Bears were really in control of this one throughout.
1: Yeah, I mean... That pick six by Roquan Smith was bad. Uh, Joe Burrow had a, such a bad game. It was just overshadowed because Zach Wilson was just so much worse on the day. That, that, that Everyone was just talking about how bad Wilson was. It shielded Burrow. Three picks is not good.
0: Yeah, and Jamar Chase was quiet until the very end. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but Tyler Boyd looked lit, though. Pittsburgh. He did.
0: T-, T. Higgins was really good, too. So a lot to talk about with the Bengals coming into next week for sure. <clears throat> uh the houston texans and cleveland browns played a surprisingly close game a 31 21 victory for the browns man tyrod taylor getting hurt really screwed the texans because i think they maybe they wouldn't have won but it would have been really dang close if he had uh been able to sit stay in
1: yeah i mean you might have a completely different game if tyrod doesn't it was so sad because tyrod suffered like non-contact and while through, he was but, scoring a touchdown, right? Yeah, while he, he was, like, running. And Jeez. It just sucks. Like, you saw him pull up in the middle of the play, and it's just unfortunate. I feel bad. Tyrod Taylor deserves so much better. That ticket. guy.
0: How can you hate that guy? You have to be a fan of that guy.
1: I don't know. It's just tough. But, yeah, in a in a different universe where Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt and Baker Mayfield might need to sit out for the rest of the game, Texans could have won that. I, I like where the Texans are at. I think I undermine them. I think they have a, enough veterans that they might be able to push for a 7-10 season. I, I I I didn't think that they were going to get past five wins. So they might be pushing for 7-10 and 10, or maybe even 8-9, and nine,
0: which is pretty solid. They that. were easy cannon fodder for a lot of reasons. But uh, say what you will about David Cully. He has this team competing early on in the season. But enter Davis Mills. Uh, The worst pick, in my opinion, in the entire draft, Austin. And why is that, you might ask? Because he serves no purpose. Davis Mills is there to either suck, and the best case scenario for Davis Mills is that he plays well enough to take the Texans out of the first five picks for the top quarterbacks. What is the point of drafting that guy? I have no idea. Who, by the way, is like the only quarterback that ever failed in the Mike Leach quarterback friendly air raid system i really question. that he he did throw a touchdown but that was like the only good thing he did the texans might be bad that bad with him at quarterback yeah i mean he still threw a pick to make up for that touchdown so tough uh the browns pretty sluggish um nick chubb had gotten hurt in this game too uh jarvis landry
1: i missed that one
0: Sorry, I'm. I saw Chubb. I immediately thought Bradley Chubb. Nick Chubb was fine. They're cousins. Nick Chubb was fine. Ah. Um, the uh the Browns were without uh, still without Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry got hurt early. Uh, for all the weapons they had, they were kind of uh, they were struggling a bit in this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at who caught passes. It's just not. It's not a great list. Felton led their team in yardage and got the only passing touchdown. Hunter Bryant, the tight end. Austin Hooper, the tight end.
0: David Njoku, the tight end. Yeah, David Njoku. Like, isn't Felton a tight end too? I'm pretty sure he I is. I don't think so. I thought he was a rec- he's like some sort of receiver, running back hybrid that like really sucked with his relative athletic score.
1: Ah, Jalen
0: Samuels, got it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Um...
1: Yeah. Okay. So not great. And with Jarvis Landry hurt, you like I. If I'm a Browns, I'm really hoping that Odell Beckham comes back this week because that that's a tough receiving core to work with. Still got one of the best running back rooms in the league with Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt, and who could forget about Andy Yanovich, one of the best fullbacks. I like him. Fullback,
0: yeah. And they uh, still have the good offensive line. All right, Demetric Dimit- Felton, you ready for this, Austin? This year, Yeah. relative athletic score of .91. Yo, he's lit. I'm gonna I'm gonna send this to you because you deserve to have this. Oh yeah, we all need. I kind of don't want to frame it. Frame it. Ugh. We'll we'll judge every bad athlete against him. But uh, anyways, let's um, move on to our next game which was the Rams and the Colts. This was a game I didn't see a ton of. The Colts ended up finishing uh, finishing up pretty well with a close comeback attempt, but it fell short, and the Rams hung on for the win. I didn't like that the Rams wore blue pants in this one. They should have worn the yellow. <laughs> I was surprised by how close this game was. Uh, I thought that
1: overall that Rams should have had this, but, I mean, they just really blew it, and at one point... Colts had a lead, they lost a lead.
0: So tough. It's the theme for today. Tough and circle of sadness. Especially uh, Mr. Carson Wentz. That uh, I don't know. It's it's tough to think that that team's gonna get anywhere with him being injured all the time. Literally,
1: it's just he hasn't had like a healthy season at all.
0: Uh, elsewhere. The Buffalo Bills, with the most surprising beatdown of the week, not because the Bills aren't good, but because people thought higher of the Dolphins, who lost by 35 points, and Tua got knocked out of the game pretty early. Jacoby Brissett came on uh, in relief duty, and the Dolphins could just, they moved the ball a little bit, but could just never put it together.
1: Yeah, no. once Tua was out, which was pretty early, they just didn't really do much at all. Once again, this game got out of control, but once again, I am begging the Dolphins to use Miles Gaskin more. I am here trying to say that he was once again their best running back, and they're still trying with other people. Please, thank you.
0: Hashtag circle of sadness. Circle of sadness. Mm, Yes. That's going to be our new uh, tweet.
1: The circle of sadness rides again. It spins again because it's a circle.
0: Alright, what else is going on? We have the Patriots and the Jets. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> the story pretty much here is just Zach Wilson.
1: Yeah, Zach Wilson was just absolutely awful. There's no around it. Through four picks in the first half. Just never bounced back from that really really bad it doesn't help that they don't have a run game really either I mean they tried they tried they they at least tried it but none of their running backs were particularly I guess Michael Carter was solid hmm yeah I don't know I still like it was just bad Zach Wilson didn't have a good time their wide receivers didn't come through like Corey Davis had a really really bad day in, in terms of what he was able to put up on the on the, the uh stat. He not necessarily had a bad day. Could have been just Wilson having a really bad day causing that. But Braxton Berrios was able to have a good day. So I don't know. I didn't watch this game. Uh personally. The only thing I saw was Damian Harris's big manly man run. Like that he was like Derek Henry running through people. But Uh yeah, so far not very good for the Quarterbacks out of this past draft, Mac Jones is looking like the best one. Because Trevor Lawrence is playing like he's in college and just kind of tossing it up, and it's either a, it's it's average at the end of the day because of how many picks he's throwing. Uh, Fields didn't show anything yet. Trey Lance didn't really show anything yet. Uh, Zach Wilson has been bad, and I, that's it. That, I Davis Mills, we're gonna find out about next week. And oh, I guess we're gonna find oh, out we about Fields. Know. Yeah, we already know. But Fields, we're going to find out <laughs> about next week, too.
0: At least more. Yeah, why don't we uh, transition to that Broncos-Jaguars game. Uh, Broncos, another solid win for them. They're 2-0. Uh, the Jaguars just look hopeless. Trevor Lawrence just looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, and I mean that in the worst way possible. Yeah, it's just not
1: very good. This This game, they actually let James Robinson do James Robinson things, and it didn't even work. So, I mean... What can you do? He averaged more than four yards a carry. He did all right. But uh, they lost LaVisca Chenault for some time, I, I think. They said the shoulder injury isn't super serious, but he's likely to miss some time. So that's going to hurt. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. has looked really solid. I, I, I didn't believe the reports coming out of Jacksonville that he'd be their best wide receiver, but so far through two games he has. DJ Chark still looks good as well, but... Uh, just a lot of missed opportunities between Chark and Lawrence. They're just not connecting really well at the moment. Uh, I'm pretty sure he has like something like, I don't know, 15 targets and only four catches so far. So not not a good connection there. But Marvin Jones has definitely been solid with them. But it's it's looking not very good in Jacksonville. And they go to face Arizona next week. And that's going to be tough.
0: Hashtag circle of
1: sadness.
0: And hashtag circle of sadness. Yes. TM. Hashtag circle of sadness TM. There you go. Uh, also, <laughs> also,
1: Javante Williams. I tweeted out game one, but I said, wait till the find out that Javante Williams is, be- is going to do better than Najee Harris, and he's, he's there. He's, he's splitting carries, and he's putting up better stats than Harris so far. I miss M- Mike Munchak. I, I, w- I want him back.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, tough tough scene. Hashtag circle of sadness. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles lost to the 49ers, who won on the road 17-11. to There wasn't much that I saw from this game, probably because there wasn't much going on. Uh, I don't really have much to say, to be honest with you.
1: Just more injuries for San Francisco running backs. Jermichael Hasty has a high ankle sprain. So now is it Trey Sermon's season? Because uh, I think Elijah Mitchell got hurt, too. Both of them got hurt. I'm, I'm fairly confident. I might be
0: wrong Jeez. on that. Jeez. Hashtag circle of sadness. I know deal. for
1: sure Jermichael Hastie has the. Has the. Uh, hi- yeah. Okay. The, the 49ers ruled out Jermichael Hastie, and then the status of Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon? Did Trey Sermon get hurt too? <laughs> that is that is sadly hilarious. That, 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 that They are just like. They're like a mini version of the Ravens this year. Not quite as bad because I don't think they lost any of them to, for the season other than Mostert. But, wow. Yeah, they lost all of them. I did. I missed that. I, I knew that Hacy had the high ankle sprain. I knew that Mitchell probably got hurt. All three of them got hurt. Trenton Jeez. Cannon season.
0: Is that oh, his name? God.
1: Something Cannon. Trenton. I was right. <laughs>
0: hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, what would have been my picket lock of the week and what was my lock of the week turned out to be the exact opposite. Never trust a divisional game. The Panthers defeat the Saints 26-7, to and the famous Jameis Winston turnover bakery has reopened for business.
1: Yeah, classic. I knew it couldn't stay closed forever, it, even though it looks
0: like it after week one. Uh, where else? I didn't see really any of the 4 o'clock games, so these are all going to be pretty much you. Okay. So, uh, I'll start with the Tennessee and Seattle game.
1: That game was actually really good. I mean, it looked like Seattle was going to kick them in the butt from the beginning. I, I mean, they went to halftime, and it was 24, I think... 9? It was 24-9 or 24-6. I'm pretty sure it was 24-9. But, uh, then the as the Titans typically do, got better as game went on because Derrick Henry gets better as the game goes on because he doesn't tire, and he just absolutely wears down defenses. And uh, he had those long that long touchdown for 60 yards. He put up three touchdowns by himself. Um, but I think the biggest news coming out of this is that is there a new wide receiver too in Seattle? Freddie Swain! My man had the second most receiving yards and five catches. One less catch than DK, but more effective, and he had a touchdown catch. You tell me, is there, is there wide receiver controversy in Seattle? I think so. I actually think,
0: I actually think they should just cut DK Metcalf. I think they should, just too. Roll with those two guys. Yeah,
1: just roll with Freddie Swain and Tyler Lockett. You don't even need anyone else.
0: C- kind of odd. Uh,
1: I think Seattle only had five guys catch a pass in that entire game. I think it was literally just lockett swain metcalf everett and then i'm missing the last one i it might have been chris carson mm, i don't remember you want me to check i'll look no i'll get it oh it was travis homer that was so weird that's why why would i have known that yeah
0: gerald everett with the one catch for three yards
1: yeah literally it
0: was literally just those those people
1: but yeah uh seattle ended up blowing it the Titans ended up coming back, and it was a really good game. It was a game that I thought was going to be a good game. And mm-hmm. uh, it did you called end up it, that yeah way. Yeah. I, I, made I think it... you
0: called the exact outcome, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much.
1: I think so. I think I literally said it's going to be a comeback victory for Tennessee, and they're going to bounce back in this game. I, I definitely said they were going to bounce back. I don't know if I said it was a comeback victory. But so on and so forth. So that I, I just wanted to start there. Cowboys at Chargers, I saw very little of, but I did see that Tony Pollard is lit and better than Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm waiting for the Cowboys to admit the same, and admit their mistakes of paying a running back as most teams that pay a running back have to do eventually. Probably not this season, but uh, I'm
0: nervous. Well, what are you nervous about? Well, because I I picked up Tony Pollard for this exact reason, because I knew he would be, but I just don't know if Dallas is going to Commit to it or not, so I don't, like don't know what to do with him. The snaps are so close,
1: like the the uh, the target share and or the or the uh, what's the what's the word I'm actually looking for? I'm not looking for targets. I'm looking for like their actual snap bo- count. Not that either. I'm looking for like their touches. Their touches uh. are exactly the same almost. Pollard had sixteen. Elliott had eight, had uh, eighteen they are so close to just admitting it that uh that Pollard is better uh, through snap count I mean it's just Pollard looks better in every single way it's just it's just how it is as a receiver he looks so explosive it is ridiculous Pollard is so so good and just Ezekiel is just not better even with the better offensive line I know the offensive line is uh still not fully put together but Pollard is doing it behind the same line he is. You got a direct comparison there, so you can't even say say anything
0: about the offensive line. Uh, he's just he's following that trend of running backs, man. The last two to three years, he's started to fall off in efficiency and just overall production. Yeah. It, it usually doesn't reverse once this starts.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is almost exactly like Le'Veon Bell, like where... Where Ezekiel Elliott is still good is uh, he's still a solid pass catcher as as a running back, and he's still doing really good as a pass blocker. But like, as an actual runner, he's just not he's not as good. Difference is the Cowboys have someone ready to go, and Elliott hasn't fallen off a cliff quite yet in the running game. But so on and so forth. It was a really good game, really close. Good defensive battle, not what I was expecting. I thought this was going to be more high-scoring. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not surprised the Cowboys did pull that out. Uh, Falcons at Buccaneers. That game was actually pretty close for a while. I mean, it looked like the Buccaneers were crumbling after the Falcons put up 15 on them in the third quarter. I think at the end of the third quarter it was, what, 28-25? Uh, so it was, it was fairly close. And then... The Buccaneers put up 20 on them in the fourth quarter. So, uh, the B- Buccaneers get a backdoor cover after shutting out the, the Falcons in the last quarter of the game. Their running back situation is kind of funny. I think that quarter, Corderell Patterson is their best guy. I don't know if I could call him a running back. I think he's their best. He's done the best. I, he wasn't really good carrying the ball. I'll, I'll say that. He got the touchdown, but... He's he's
0: listed as a running back. Yeah, that's weird. I he, thought he was always a receiver. I mean, he wears eighty four.
1: He was a wide receiver, and he's both for them because he. Uh, l- last week he was much better as a runner. He was playing mostly from the running back spot, but I mean this this week was more about pass catching for him, as he had five catches for fifty eight yards and a touchdown. He did add that touchdown on the ground, but yeah, no. Uh, sorry to sidebar off podcast stuff, but I picked him up in fantasy because but in our league because he's listed as a running back slash wide receiver.
0: Uh, I could play the him old, at uh, the old uh, freaking Taysom Hill thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could play him at my at the wide receiver spot. But, yes, anyone uh, – he's – I got ahead of the curve, but if anyone's behind the curve, I do recommend, if you play fantasy, to pick up Patterson. I think mm-hmm. he's a good add, especially for – uh, uh, honestly, probably only for P P R leagues. Well, yeah.
0: But, well, and uh, the position flexibility is huge. That's why, like, all my defensive linemen are also linebackers.
1: Yeah, it's so nice. This is going to be my free advertisement for the day. Please, if you're using anything other than Sleeper, the app for fantasy football, please use it. Please switch off. I promise you, it is not as good as Sleeper. The options of Sleeper ads, the interface, everything that it tells you. It tells you snap counts and snap percentage. It, it lets you s- switch out players. It lets you play IDP so nicely. Everything is so nice about Sleeper. That's my free advertisement for the day. If you play fantasy, you need to get on Sleeper. This is not a paid ad.
0: <laughs> but they do have do they have punters though? I you could. You could add punters. Hey, oh. Oh, game changer. It right is there. a game changer. We might yeah. have to move our pod I, I didn't know that. I, I, we might be moving our podcast league next year then because I'm I'm kind of sick of ESPN, no offense to them. Yeah.
1: I mean, nothing is worse than the NFL app. If if you are on the NFL app, you have no excuse not to switch. It is literally the worst app. But uh Regardless, did I cover all the 4 o'clock games? I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, I missed the Vikings and Cardinals, and that was one of the ones I watched the most because it was so fun. Kyler Murray, man. How much more can I say I love watching? He was stupid in this game. He was just forced. He was playing like he was playing in college, as you'd expect kind of a guy from from the air raid offense, but... Uh, his interceptions were so dumb, but he is just so fun to watch still. Uh... The Cardinals only eked out this game because the Vikings are cursed and their kickers just can't can't get the easy ones. It was wide, I think, left in this game. I actually missed the final kick because I was like, "Oh, the Vikings won. That sucks." Uh, but I, I I was too quick <laughs> and they lost uh, on that final play. The Cardinals won 34-33. Odds uh, so good. And Rondell Moore, their rookie wide receiver, looks very very good. Uh, I just, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna find myself rooting for the Cardinals when they make the playoffs, or at least I hope they make the playoffs, because if the Steelers don't, I'm gonna be really sad if if the Cardinals don't too, because they're gonna be the team that I want to root for the most, because I just really love Kyler Murray, and James Connor, and A.J. Green, I like all those guys, but yeah, the, the Vikings put up more of a fight than I thought in this game, uh, they did really well. Uh, Dalvin Cook absolutely destroyed. K.J. Osborne out of nowhere uh, is absolutely destroying. He led the, led the team in receiving yards and had a touchdown. He outperformed both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and c- like kind of expected because Jefferson gets corner quarter- cornerback one. Adam and Thielen split cornerback one and cornerback two, and that kind of leaves Osborne with whoever the last guy is. But uh, still, kind of out of nowhere, he's been really solid uh, guy for them. That is the 4 o'clock games. Did you want to take back over for Sunday Night Football? I actually fell asleep halfway through.
0: Well, I was kind of drifting, not drifting in and out, but I was not fully paying attention to this one. Uh, But I got to give the Ravens and Lamar Jackson a ton of credit for this one. I was, when the, you know, the way this game started, the pick six you just you already felt like it was going to get away from the ravens because of the way that this series between these two teams have gone <clears throat> over the course of the last few years and just the manner in which the ravens were able to stick with it and just kept pounding i was uh i mean there were so many times in this game that like the chiefs were able to get these big plays like i think travis kelsey broke like four tackles on his like 50 yard catch and run um and they got contributions from uh, other players like I think Byron Pringle had a touchdown, McCole Hardman had an explosive play, Demarcus Robinson had a big play, Blake Bell had a big play, and Tyree Kill was quiet. But they still put up 35 points, and you know I thought that they were going to be fine with it. And the Ravens were not throwing the ball very well, like we had talked about. And you know what? <laughs> Lamar Jackson still didn't finish with a great overall passing day, one touchdown, two interceptions. But, you know, the Chiefs were just so dang good running the ball, even with all these issues. I mean, 41 for 251. That's like what they had against Pittsburgh uh, last season in the first game. Uh, I, I'm i kind of surprised the Ravens didn't run the ball more with how well they were going with it. And then when they went up late and they got that uh, that fumble from another first-round running back in Clyde edwards uh You just knew they were going to go for it, and they got it. And that just rubbed more salt in the wound for the way the Steelers game had gone. And also, I wanted to point out, it's kind of weird. Did you see the play where Patrick Mahomes threw his first September interception? I did not. So it was one of those plays where, like, he's falling sideways and makes, like, a ridiculous throw that always gets completed. Like, the plays that never should work always work for him. It Mm -hmm. finally didn't work this time
1: wow yeah i i missed it i was trying to think if i i I saw it and I just forgot but no i feel like i'd remember that
0: this is a big time win for the ravens and i i still don't really doesn't really change the way i feel about them as far as them being a, a good team with a ton of injuries that will be in it this year but probably won't have a big impact on the whole season i think it does tell me more about how i feel about the chiefs and i feel like they are a pretty flawed team uh And defensively, they might turn it around, but if things keep going as is, they're no better than the 2018 team that lost to the Patriots in the championship game.
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels good. If anything, what this game told me is that the AFC is wide open Mm -hmm. this year more than in previous years. Like last year, I felt like the Chiefs were just better than Buffalo. This year, it's like, well, the Steelers beat Buffalo. The Ravens beat the Chiefs. uh, Raiders beat both the Steelers and Ravens, and it's not always, like, trans, uh, translated... Trans, wow, I can't say that word. It's not a property where you could just move it over. Uh, but, like, the AFC is wide open. Like, if if the Ravens could pull that out, as injured as there are, what team can't beat the Chiefs? Their defense is just that bad. It's just, it's, it is a heavy task to put up that many points, as much as the Chiefs did, but the Buccaneers also showed that Hey, there is a possibility to stop this offense. There, it's not very easy. It's not going to happen very often. I mean, we had never seen the Chiefs put up that little points ever, but there is a pot- We have been shown that they have an Achilles heel. The Chiefs, they are there, and I, despite the Bills lost to us in the first week, I still think highly of them. I still think they're going to be in the playoffs just like everyone else.
0: Um, I think the AFC is very open this year. And then uh, the last game of the week, the Lions and Packers. The Packers get out to a 35-17 to 17 lead later on in the game, but it was really close in the first half. Detroit actually ha- holding the lead going into halftime. Did you see any of this one? I did. That was almost cataclysmic for, for did you, the did you, Packers. Sorry, I, I'm sorry, but uh, I was going to ask if you saw the uh, Manning broadcast, if that's how you were watching it. That's I did why not. I watched. that's how I, I I've been watching the it. free streams. Oh, they don't have the Manning version of it? No, they just have the game. Hmm. It is interesting. I would recommend it. It can be a bit distracting, though, because you kind of focus more on them. And the guests, I appreciate what they're doing with the guests, but it feels like a kind of throw thing, kind of, like, mixes up the rhythm, but I understand why they do it. But anyways, as far as this game goes, yeah, Detroit came out and played really well to start this game. I was at Will's house watching the game, and then i left right like after halftime before the second half started i got home took the dog out and then when i turned on the tv they had been leading 17 14 that was 28 17 and i was like oh what happened here and then the lions just completely disintegrated in front of us yeah and uh yeah i it don't think highly first of the packers half. right now it was a good first half but i don't think highly of the packers right now aaron Rodgers went on the pat mcafee show today and slammed his critics but uh I'm uh I'm not convinced yet yeah I'm not I'm not
1: quite sure on how I feel about them like it's hit or miss like I feel like they might actually be a bad team but disguised as I don't know it was a division game it's so hard to tell they they obviously mm-hmm. got their breaks beat off by the Saints uh we lost to
0: the panthers
1: th- yeah and that's another thing where it doesn't always directly translate you'll know, see one Big win, and then the Steelers will beat the Bills, and then they'll lose to the Raiders. Such is life. But uh, I I don't know how I feel about the Packers yet. I've always traditionally hated them, so I'm trying to leave my bias out of it because uh, I always thought they were overrated. Then Aaron Rodgers had an MVP season. I'm like, fine, I was wrong. And they still lost, but like they didn't go anywhere.
0: But don't know. Gonna gonna wait and see. Also, for all the dumping everyone took on Jared Goff this past year, after the Rams collapse last year, uh, he's not too bad right now. I don't think he's as bad as everyone likes to think he is.
1: No, and he's only got Hawkinson. And I say only when Hawkinson's looking really solid. He's looking like he's adding to, like, it used to be a top three tight end conversation. He's, like, entering, like, oh, there's four really good tight ends now because he's just looking so good. But that's the only thing he's got.
0: What? I just said I knew it. He was of all the players we've looked at over the past five years, he's still my favorite. <laughs> he was
1: really cool. That I can't believe him and Noah Fant played together, and Fant is good too, yeah. just not not at that level quite yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and he, they played with George Kittle too. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> Iowa tight ends, man. Always look for Iowa tight ends every year. Jesus.
1: <laughs> I mm-hmm. know Kittle wasn't anything in, in college for the most part, just mostly a blocker, and then Quiet. he broke, yeah. broke out here, but that's still wild.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had uh, he had just 48 catches in his college career. He had uh, 20 and 22 his last two years, so he was like, you know, he was there, but he was never a big big-time guy, which is why it was more surprising when he broke out the way that he did. I thought he'd be a good player. I didn't think he'd be you know, stellar the way that he has been at least early on in his career so far. Hawkinson, I thought really high of from day one. It's just taken him a little more time.
1: Yeah. I mean, we see that with the tight end position. It usually does take some time, but yeah, he's here Mm -hmm. now.
0: He's announced it. He is here now. So, uh, any, any thoughts right now, uh, before we wrap this one up, before we get to Thursday night football and close out today's show? Um, no, I think we're good. All right. Uh, the two and Carolina Panthers are visiting the Houston Texans minus Tyrod Taylor and our seven and a half point favorites in this one. I am going to take the Texans plus seven and a half.
1: I am stupid is my answer. I I don't know why I'm doing it. Maybe just to be different. Maybe because I'm stupid. Maybe a bit of both. Maybe I have. Maybe I'm betting on the slight chance that uh, Mills is good i
0: i'm not quite sure i haven't figured it out yet texans plus seven and a half i like the panthers here if tyrod was playing i might take the texans to win this one outright but with this game being the way it is with a guy like uh davis mills who i just don't trust right now it's hard for me to not take the panthers even with their question marks they've answered some of them with their two and zero start so uh yeah with that further ado that'll wrap up today's two hour long episode Uh, one of the longer ones we've had in a while certainly a lot to talk about we appreciate you hanging on with us throughout the course of it and we'll be back later in the week to talk week three of the NFL season and Steelers Bengals in the meantime if you have any questions about the show or about the Steelers and you want us to answer them please email us at stronger than steel podcast at gmail.com or check out our new home on uh, anchor.fm where our podcast is now located under the name Stronger Than Steel Podcast, and give us a listen there, or on our traditional platform, which is YouTube. Until next time, Austin, thank you for joining me today on the Stronger Than Steel Podcast, and ladies and gentlemen listening, thank you, and have a good night. Take care, everybody. May the circle of sadness keep spinning. Have a good night. You have been listening to Stronger Than Steel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and don't forget to check out our website listed in the description below.